Resolving the ruler. What does civilized hierarchy look like? Now, a civilized hierarchy would innately suggest voluntary participation. It would suggest something like a functional representative democracy, whereby most, if not all, of the population agrees that a certain person should be calling the shots in this or that regard for whatever subject matter they may be an expert in, which is also inherently meritocratic as well when you have different hierarchies for different areas of expertise. And yes, there is a larger echelon of leadership hierarchy, which we call politics, but I would argue that not even they have the most power within a country. In fact, I would argue that members of the intelligence agency who have been around for longer and outlasted entire presidential campaigns probably have the most power within our government. Now, when it comes to financial power, and this is where things get a little dicey because, again, there are different types of hierarchy based on the areas of expertise that are involved. And financial power happens to be held in the hands of businessmen, women, entrepreneurs. That kind of power is generally perceived within our culture as the highest echelon. But then again, the most out in the open, the most grounded, quote unquote, um, engaging with the population type of leadership, that's a politician, a different kind of hierarchy, right? So there is a meritocratic nature to functional hierarchy, to a civilized form. It's also important to mention at this point that in nature, there are hierarchies and there are also networks. A network is based on the amount of incoming and outgoing connections to other nodes within that larger network and is a lot more, shall we say, symbiotic and um, goodwill oriented in its exchange. Not that a hierarchy can't have goodwill as well. But when it comes to networking, there is a tendency toward an ever-increasing form of expansion. You want more and more friends, more and more nodes of support along your network, whereas the archetype of hierarchy is more constraining, it's more conserving, etc. And these two forms of structure within nature are also obvious within humanity. And so to centrate around the idea of hierarchy may not be the best idea, in fact, Civilized hierarchy is probably a lot more like a network. It's probably a lot more goodwill oriented. It's probably a lot more about the connections you can make in faraway lands so that you can exchange the necessary resources to keep your people happy and content without necessarily taking anything away from a weaker, perceivably weaker country or region of the globe, which is what corrupt hierarchy would do. Corrupt hierarchy wouldn't bother with the reaching nature of diplomacy. Instead, they would just disenfranchise a smaller, less powerful region of the world to get what they want. The concept of civilized hierarchy would depend on a prioritization of diplomacy over predation. Not that, not that uh, the very nature of predation itself doesn't underlie hierarchy to some extent. 
because yes there is a downward punching nature to hierarchies even within the civilized realm for example there is a downward pressing nature to the emotional delegation of negativity for example because it is assumed that those on the fringes of the hierarchy are attempting to get higher and therefore are more willing to assume the burden of responsibility as far as the you know the dirtier jobs the worse conditions and in some perhaps slightly more corrupt cases the negative emotions from those higher in that ranked order system that downward pressing nature of hierarchy only really becomes ill or corrupt to the extent that it's a problem when there is a perceived danger from outside of the containment field of that hierarchy, right? You can imagine a country and its border as that containment field of the nation. And if there is a perceived lack of civility or uh, scarcity of resources outside of that border, then inherently the hierarchy is going to become more constrained, more conservative, not that that's always compulsive, but that the conservational quality taken to the extreme does result in a kind of xenophobia and a kind of inequality of all sorts, gender, race, etc. And a majority rule within the brackets of, of uh, compartmentalization that discrimination can arise it is generally speaking a majority rule within the containment field of a hierarchy that defines what compartmentalized labels that we apply to people based on their external appearance and their ideological preferences. So if there is a majority Hindu religious belief within that country, then the Hindu power will be the one pressing down and outward toward all these other religious belief systems or lack thereof. If it were Christian, it would be the same in that country. As far as race, if, if it were white, if it were black, if they were Asian, if they were even a uh, different hair color or eye color in the past, they may have been discriminated against by virtue of... There is an aspect of unfamiliarity that comes into play because outgroup people throughout history, although we accumulate into larger and larger groups over time, outgroup individuals were perceived as generally hostile or capable of being hostile if they could not be identified as a member of a tribe or another tribe close by. Because most of the time they were in a desperate situation and lost or displaced from their home tribe by virtue of undesirous, um, undesirable activity within that tribe i.e. being kicked out of the tribe or having just been dislodged and now in a desperate situation psychologically and literally. In ancient times, an outgroup person that you could not identify as a member of your tribe or any of the local tribes was statistically more likely to be dangerous, especially if they had a different skin color, especially if they had a different appearance about them that suggested they came from even further away. That is where discrimination comes from as far as its evolutionary psychological basis. Now that there are more resources available to individuals and that proximity of opposite creates theory of mind. What do I mean by that? Well, if you are in proximity to your opposite more often than 
or at least as often as you are in proximity to someone like you, then it creates a complexity in your theory of mind that makes you more open, that makes your culture more open over time. Because we begin to learn that many of these people we thought were different are actually quite similar after all. They care about the same things, their children, their family, their community. There's a similar strain of love and communal and familial value throughout all factions of humanity. Proximity to your opposite creates the complexity required in your theory of mind to accept this as true. Even though it may inherently be obvious if you were to analyze it vicariously, the actual proximity to your opposite is what catalyzes the um, dropping of the veil that is, um, that is unjustified discrimination of all sorts. However, when the outside of your identified containment field appears to becoming more perceivably hostile, then there is a constraining of available resources and a downward pressing, um, downward punching nature to the emotional base set of your culture, of your nation, that can be diffused through proper consolidation of the incoming information from abroad. What do I mean? Well, if we perceive the world as inherently hostile or pathogenic, quote, unquote, pathogenic, then it's important we figure out why, how it happens, what the consequences are, and how to mitigate those consequences together, rather than simply panicking and pressing downward, pressurizing those with much less within our own community, because we are panicking and over-consuming within the middle class and the upper class due to our psychological dilemma. Any overconsumption by any bracket of the income spectrum is going to cause a downward pressing energy, a downward momentum on those with far less because the bottom line is there's only a certain amount of money, there are only a certain amount of resources, and inflation only goes so far before it's completely unsalvageable without some form of external aid. Therefore, the approach to civilized hierarchy is a diplomatic discussion between opposites of ideal in order to create a complexity within our theory of mind and through that complexity have empathy for those who are opposite in history, culture, religion, belief, philosophy, tolerating one another and applying our strengths where they are acquired to think of an opposite like a different function within a larger structure that is just as desirable if they were placed properly, if they had the opportunity to optimize their strengths to contribute to that hierarchy, that meritocracy, the network. Civilized hierarchies are inherently more network-like because they involve a more honest exchange of skills and abilities and a rising to the top of those who are more competent rather than a suppression of those who are highly competent by maybe people who are moderately competent but have been around for longer. Right? The so networking quality to of the civilized hierarchy is evident to anybody who has watched the movie Lion King. 
if you remember, Mufasa told Simba about the circle of life by describing how even the largest predators in the savanna will eventually die and decompose into soil for plants to grow and for herbivores to eat those plants. That is the circle of life and it is the incredible poetic irony and gesture-like quality to nature that even the largest predators will eventually decompose and provide sustenance for the lowliest of creatures. That is the networking quality of civilized hierarchy. However, if resources are hoarded even beyond the boundary of death, then it becomes a problem because you're not even compromising with the natural law of decomposition and recycling of matter and energy within the ecosystem of your society. And thus, I would draw a line in the sand and distinguish those two points as where, as where civilized hierarchy begins to break down. When resources and value and energy and materials are hoarded beyond the boundary of death. Not that they have to be completely redistributed, but they should not be entirely hoarded and kept within a particular familial lineage forever and ever. That's where the line begins to be crossed into that more corrupt form of hierarchy.